Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast where we happen to actually talk about shooting sometimes, or it's just me rambling into a microphone because Robert Wyatt says dead air is bad air. But anyway, without further ado, let's talk about the title sponsor of the podcast, Go Fast, Don't Suck. For once, I'm not wearing Bill's hat because I'm wearing a Bucky's hat, which is twice as cool, I think, because it's Bucky's. And I don't have a Bucky's around me. Bucky's, please come to Michigan. But anyway, uh, go fast, don't suck.net, guys. Um, dry fire banners, dry fire targets, uh, match banners, hats, hoodies, jerseys. Um, I'm getting my new ones soon, so that'd be kind of cool. Um, what else we got? Oh, yeah. Uh, the memes that are hurtful and true, but it's okay. Go fast, don't suck.net. Tell them Manny sent you in the notes. Let's move on with your day. Without further ado, it's kind of a blast from the past. It's B squared. We got my buddy Brian and my buddy Brian. Um, we're going to talk about 2011 things today, guys, so it'll be fun. But uh, I guess I'll start this conversation off is is I, I wanted to have a conversation with two guys who also have kind of taken the same leap of faith that I did and switching to a cool platform, a metal platform, 2011s. But we'll get to that conversation a bit. But uh, uh, God, now I'm going to keep rambling. Thanks, Robert Wyatt. No dead air. But anyway, uh, we're going to introduce these guys. Um, you've seen them both on episodes. Um, I, on my screen, it, I've got the Brian next to me. That's my home buddy, Brian. Uh, he was episode one. And then the guy below me on my screen, that's the other Brian. He was like episode five. So it's a super blast from the past. So, um, God, this is so weird because you're both Brian. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> but uh, Levy, uh, we'll go ahead and give him a quick rundown of who you are. And how'd you, how why are you still shooting? <laughs> That's a question I ask every single day, man. Um, no, uh, so hi, I'm Brian. Um, you can find me on most social media as Reds Dot. I'm on Reddit, YouTube, and uh, Instagram. Is that uh, I am your local mid pack M class shooter that just enjoys going pew. Um, uh, the game is entertaining and interesting for me, so I stick to it. Uh, even if I have some days where I feel like I want to chuck a magazine over the back berm. Yeah you know, getting better about it, but there it is. Um, but yeah, I've been at this stuff. I realized a little over 10 years now doing the practical shooting thing, like for, for real, for real. Uh, I'm an M class in limited as well as carry optics. Uh, and uh, I'm the most famous guy in, in IDPA because I was the one that was banned for shooting from appendix at that match. Yes, that was me. So y'all so can thank him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now appendix is allowed and Levy's still not allowed. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and, and you can use your Enigma and you can use all these cool things and you can have ported guns. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Joyce, so, are we going to apologize to you or what? I, I doubt it. I mean, that was the condition, right? I want a letter of apology from Joyce and Kitty uh, and then a free year membership. And then I'll start shooting IDPA again. If I don't get any of that, I won't shoot IDPA. <laughs> I still love that you have that framed, by the way. <laughs> right up there next to the placard where i won high overall at an idpa match so you know whatever yep <laughs> and then below we've got mm. mr perkis perkis go ahead give him the the, the, mm. the spiel 
I'm I'm Mother Brian. Reds and I we we shoot locally together a lot, um, and it's always fun going to majors and having them call out Brian. I'm like, which one? But so yeah, we 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 have a lot of fun with that. Um, I think our record is four Brian's on the squad at one point. Um, five did. Oh, that's right. We did have a five. That, that was that was, know, that was falling steel falling steel mess. There were five of us <laughs> on the squad. Yeah, um, I, I go by Lockback on Instagram, Facebook, and the dot com, um, and I'm dabbling in various um, shooting education stuff, online stuff. I got a drill repository and shooting sets and plans and um, essentially I'm trying to build a website that is the firearms training equivalent of those workout apps where it's like hey what do I do tell me the routine well here you go trying to trying to make that and uh, that's about that's about me and um, back here the most important person on the show that is Guinness down there on the couch that is pretty adorable (laughs) 11 out of 10 good boy Mm -hmm. yes he is an 11 out of 10 he hasn't moved (laughs) once since we started (laughs) Yeah, he's but, uh, very chill. Yeah, which is kind of cool is that you're actually making that the the gun workout app. Uh, I I remember listening to a podcast. I don't know if it was a year or a year and a half ago. Jeff Clothin of the the Hit Factor was trying to make one, and he never got it off the ground. But it's okay. You're dedicated. Yeah, I got I got a lot of it there. Um, kind of getting a little bit of the content still going before we're before doing a full launch. But there's a lot of functionality there as it is. So check it out. Lockback.com. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. I haven't looked. I got to look at it now. That's going to bother me. But anyway, um, so I guess we'll dive into this conversation. So for the listeners at home or in your car at work, um, procrastinating profusely because you're listening to the show while at work, even if you work in the office, you don't count if you work from home, right? You can do what you please, right? Uh, hmm. There's no webcam below the waist, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if like they dropped dress code at my office. They like it used to be like, you know, well, you have to be in professional dress, you be on camera, blah, blah, blah. And then like I started having staff meetings and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm just gonna wear a t-shirt. Somebody wants to yell at me, they can. And then I was getting on the call and I realized my boss is wearing a t-shirt. Everybody else is like, <laughs> you know, sweats and whatever, comfy clothes. Like we just gave up. Like <laughs> just a yeah. moment we're like, we're done. Right. So uh, we, I wanted to have this conversation because I had recently adapted to this 2011 from a striker-fired, polymer-framed platform. Um, so I thought I'd get two guys who relatively did it around the same time. They had a little more time on me than than myself. So I think it'll be a great conversation. So I guess I want to go around the table and say and ask, I guess, is what guns were you shooting prior to and why? Perkis, you can start. Okay. Um, so like like many people, my my very first competition pistol was the good old Springfield uh, XDM and uh, messed with that for a while and then switched on over to the um, P320. This was during its early days. It had just gotten adopted um, but didn't have all of the aftermarket stuff. Um, I've been shooting that for a little bit and I don't remember where I was at, but it was just the, the classic hangout shooting guns and, you know, oh, Hey, check, check this out, check this out. And I picked up the CZP 10 C, um, the F wasn't out yet. And I picked up the C and it just, Ooh, Hmm. And I don't know. It was something about the way I was able to get my, my hands around it. It worked. I fell in love with it and switched to it. Um, which it's now my my carry gun still still have that sucker 
Um, eventually the P10F came out. Um, and so uh, ran this guy for a while with the co-witnessed irons and the RMR because the SRO wasn't out. Um, and then I upgraded and got another P10F with an SRO. And the SRO has been cannibalized because uh, I'm a cheap boy. Um, and now I am headed to open with the uh, with the 2011. So that's been uh, it's been my journey. Well, you can blame me for that because I, I, I steered you away from the, uh, the that old Seymour. It's just like just put the dot you're used to on oh, it. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. That that sucker is a boat. It is so big and so heavy and so tall. I still, um, I still have dibs on that thing, man. <laughs> yeah, um, and and so the dot is so high um, that the dot in line, the the center of the dot on the Seymour is going to it was in line with the top of the dot on, when you're running, you know, one of the other ones. It's uh, that's why, yeah, it's, that's why it's, you need the you need the sideways mount for that thing, man. Then it sits yeah. right on top of the slide. Go hundred percent old school. <laughs> yeah well i uh i've got a lot of rounds down range through uh the sro um and i looked into considering switching to some of the other ones and a lot of there's a lot of new dots and a lot of people are like oh this glass is better this one's getting unreliable i i went with the sro because i haven't had a single trijicon red dot rmr or sro fail on me it's tried it's true and and i'm used to it um so for better or worse i'm sticking to sticking to that yeah i don't blame you now yeah. uh you so you're gonna have do you if you want to shoot the p10f and in, in a match do you take your sro off or or do you are you having one or have you just put the p10f to the side for now uh well the plan was to to get another sro for it to, um but th this has been sitting in the safe until i pulled it out for this podcast and when i grabbed it it was like oh oh it feels like home <laughs> spent so many so many hours shooting on the shooting uh, this i logged my hours and i think i'm at like 400 hours with the p10 um of uh, training something like that so uh so yeah a lot of a lot of time behind that gun eventually probably maybe i mean if you if you buy my stuff then i'll be able to buy an sro <laughs> <laughs> um you gotta catch up man i'm already got, i'm sitting on three of those bastards yeah well yeah um so yeah going going open um and this that's been my my journey mm -hmm. reds okay so um mine's like my list of cars that i've owned it's stupidly long so i'll kind of shortcut it um <laughs> i started i started out uh i grew up like shooting like 1911s and like lnn frame smith revolvers that kind of thing so the practical shooting stuff when i first got into it was the first time i bought a striker gun so I bought an FNS nine, um, started out with that. And then I transitioned over to uh, Glocks and I've sort of been slowly migrating my way through Glocks. Um, for whatever reason, they seem to get along with me. I've had all kinds of other guns that just never worked out. I've had a shadow one, shadow two, uh, Q five steel frame, um, P320, uh, both an iron sight and a P320 RX. It was the one that came with glass already on it um gosh i've had a bunch of other stuff too anyway i, I uh, i've had a cz tax port uh <laughs> <laughs> you know so like i i just you know, i've had a lot a lot of different guns uh oh i had a, a tanfo stock three for a while uh you know I, i've i've gone through a lot of different guns but it seems like every no matter what happened i always ended up bouncing back to glocks 
and I'm like the one guy that like that like oh I don't like him the hump doesn't fit my hand or it doesn't I like yes please more <laughs> his of this. hands are like, huge yeah well and the, the funny the funny thing is that like I run the large back strap and in fact I had to like learn to alter my hands so I have a Glock 21 which is the bigger frame uh, it's the 45 the bigger frame with the back strap on it is like the perfect size for my hand so I had to get used to using like a longer grip not a fatter one but yeah um so i've gone through like glock 34s and and then i've recently as of what after nationals in 2020 i've been sticking to glock 17s um the balance in them is good i run mine stock because i'm that kind of a mutant like literally all it is i've i, I had it milled put the dot on it but everything else like i don't know if you can see that or not in the camera probably not Stock recoil, spring assembly, stock trigger, stock everything, just milled for the dot and doesn't weigh anything. There's no weighting in it or anything. Um, but yeah, I'm that kind of a mutant. Um, so been shooting that for a while. I decided I wanted to try out shooting limited last year. Uh, I tried a couple of different guns, didn't really work out in my favor. Um, I ended up <laughs> buying a Glock 22 and shooting that with a stock trigger because again, I'm that kind of a mutant. Um, so shooting a Glock 22 was fun, but I was just okay with it. I got to the point where I said, you know, I'm really interested in trying a 2011, like for real. I've shot plenty of 2011s. Like somebody like, hey man, I got my new, like you want to shoot it? Like, yeah, sure, cool. But not like here, let me train with this for a couple of weeks. Let me take this to a couple of matches and see how it goes. Like, um, so a buddy here locally happened to have, I, he hadn't been shooting a long time and I knew he happened to have a, a limb gun and uh, he's a lefty like me. So I borrowed his gun and I spent some time training with it and I took it to a couple of matches. And I took some notes. Like, I was like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not necessarily for me. Like, I didn't like the, the trigger reach on his felt too short. I realized I needed thumb shield safeties, which just didn't have. His is a plastic grip. I didn't like the plastic grip. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So I gave it back to him. He's like, oh, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to buy it. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I figured you were you know, in the market. And I said, yeah, well, I just wanted to see what it was like. Um, I did really like it. And earlier on, I mentioned I grew up shooting 1911s. So it's very natural for me to grab a 1911 and shoot it. And while, yes, I understand the grip angles and everything is different, it still feels comfortable. So I ended up buying his gun, and then I ended up getting a left-handed, with the mag release there, grip for it, and then uh, mounted it to there. So now I've got this. It looks like it's plastic, but that's just Cerakote. It's actually a steel grip. Um, and so, yeah, now I've got this uh, old-school STI Edge in 40, and now I'm shooting limited with this. Mm -hmm. and i did like your progression of how you eventually got to the gun you're at you know the trial and error the the headaches and you're just like this is this is this is not okay and then if i eventually but i remember for a while you didn't want to shoot a 2011 because you had to have a left-handed grip and there's only mm -hmm. two companies who make left-handed grips currently yep. which i think is a big miss on well okay now there's three because you could buy an atlas grip but i don't know if atlas grips fit on other frames but but know. but anyway, like but I think it's still a market that's still untapped, in my opinion. Eh. The, the the problem here you you're, you 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 get sucked into twofold, right? So the first things first is that the lefties represent a really small portion of the market, and the left-handed mag release slash grip thing is a re relatively recent development. And if you talk to any guy who's a lefty who started learning before, see even 2010, we're not talking about that long ago. Mm -hmm. Most of them adapted to pushing the mag release with their index finger or and some of them use their middle finger that I still haven't figured out. 
um, to release the magazine while they're shooting and they're just used to it. Now, if you tried to make them switch to the other side, they would think it was weird. The problem is when I started getting into this practical stuff, there was either ambi guns or like in the case of my Glocks, all of them could be flipped. And so I'm used to having the button so my thumb can just boom, mag release. And so for me, it was just, I didn't want to learn basically a separate manual of arms. And that was my big sticking point. Why I didn't want to do that. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy who's like, you know, having to like learn something if different. Cause you know, I have to do this for competition. I have to do this for my carry. Uh, I carry a Glock 19 with a dot and a stock trigger. Big surprise. Um, so yeah, that was why the fact that there was a left-handed mag release available for this, that solved basically all of my issues. Mm-hmm. And and now you're very happy. You are very happy now. It's a fun gun to shoot. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Well, and it's it's very nice. The fact is, you don't have to load your own ammo for it. No. Reloading's for noobs. I, I mean, guess or uh, or crazy people. But uh, mm, yeah. I mean, I guess. Well, we'll say we'll come back to reloading in a bit because I do have some <laughs> points I want to talk about on that. But um. <laughs> Because and honestly, that's a freaking that could be a whole discussion in itself for a podcast. I mean, like all of the things you have to think of and everything. It, but um, okay, we already answered that question. I guess I'm, I shouldn't be reading these as I'm talking, but it's okay. Um, I, I know for me, like I I started shooting Glocks, and I've only pretty much shoot Glocks uh, until I picked up my open gun for the first time at a match. And I guess that's the worst place to learn to, to shoot a gun is on the timer because it was horrendous. Like all I got was five minutes of dry fire, um, doing surrender draws at a steel challenge match. And it's like, and it didn't help that it was like 10 degrees out. Y'all, y'all in Texas don't know what 10 degrees is, um, to shoot in. Cause what, what's your cutoff Perkis? What, what your temp, what's your temp cutoff? Mm, I, like as far as matches go i haven't hit one yet usually uh with our because our it's weather issues where our creek gets flooded and our match gets canceled and whatnot so i'll, I'll go out and shoot but <laughs> generally our club kind of falls apart before <laughs> before yeah. we hit my threshold <laughs> yeah i i when i was younger my threshold was like the mid-20s if it was going to go below that i wouldn't shoot um but uh, yeah, as I've gotten older, that that number has crept up slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm pretty much in. If it's a match I want to shoot, like I'm like I'm excited about shooting it, then yeah, okay. If it's like in the mid 30s, I'll go shoot it. If not, man, it better be in the 40s or better. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. That's for sure. Weather sucks, but uh, it, it's just part of life, I guess. Right. If it would, what's the phrase? If it ain't raining, you ain't training. Yeah, I ain't training though. I'm shooting the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so I guess like I, I don't know what has been uh your guys's biggest when you first picked up the 2011 and really started training. What was the biggest overcome like that you first had to tackle? There hasn't for me. There hasn't been anything that's really that big, skill wise. Um. For me, um, I borrowed a buddy's uh, 2011. Um, I was, yeah, uh, he, 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 he's the reason why I switched to open. I've been like, oh, I want to do it, but I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I want to deal with the headache and whatever. And, and he, and he made some comment that was, it was along the lines of, man, you hurt people's feelings with a CO gun. Imagine how much you could hurt people's feelings with an open gun. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> 
Aaron so, uh, Eagle, man. Yeah, yeah. I, he he was the guy who pushed me over the edge. Um, and originally I was looking into going the checkmate route, and I was looking at and then going to the 2011 route because picking up 2011s, I just never really felt like, oh, this feels good. You know, I never got never never you know never felt it in my my heart. We never pick it up. Um, and I don't know why. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to go open. And then I pick up Aaron's gun. I'm like, oh, this, uh, this, this feels good. And yep. no, no, nothing changed really. Um, but then when I started practicing and training, there was never really anything. The index was just completely perfect and normal. Um, the only, the major thing that I had to change was with the recoil with, I get my, my thumb super high and up. And if I, yep, if I get it too high, then I, I lose skin. Um, so I did have to adjust, um, and make sure that I get it out of the way. So it doesn't slice my hand open. And other than that, it's been, been a pretty seamless, uh, transition shooting wise, um, gun maintenance wise has been my issue. Uh, ongoing, o- ongoing issue that I've just theoretically, hopefully, probably, maybe, finally gotten worked out. But with the the P10s, like I could run this guy and abuse it and get it real dirty, and I could shoot matches where, I, like, I literally see the slide just being sluggish because there's just so much gunk in it, and it still chugs along. Um, I did eventually get better about uh, keeping it clean, but it, I, I just didn't have to do that much and. Now, not only am I going from a striker fire to a 2011, but it's, you know, it's a steel frame, it's a hammer fired, it's uh, got all of the tight tolerances and all of just per- a very polar opposite platform. And it has been a big learning curve to figure out how to keep it running. And it takes more effort to keep running. And I always mention how I'd like, I don't, gear annoys me i don't want to mess with gear so i picked the most high maintenance division <laughs> for yeah. some reason <laughs> i don't, I don't but, know oh i would goodness. say pcc is even worse ah, no. no pcc no i shot pcc for a little over six months and uh that was that was very easy um it the cleaning um was about the same cadence as um uh as as striker fired um but but with with the open gun when it runs, oh, oh my goodness, it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah. You you sound like dudes dudes have who have RX sevens turbo rotaries, man. Sixty percent of the time they work a hundred percent of the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's talking about the biggest hurdle we had to overcome. As weird as this may sound, was being weirdly timid with the gun for me. Um, you know, stock Glock trigger, five and a half pounds. Stock 2011 trigger. Ooh, let's get the hammer back. Two and a half pounds. And it was always this thing that I was afraid, like drawing the gun, getting a grip on it, putting in like, like I was like super hesitant to put my finger on the trigger. And I had this weird kind of like, sensation of hesitation and have that comfort of like where I was like I'd grab a Glock I'd snatch that thing out of the holster and rip shots out of it no problem this thing I was like oh okay bang. <laughs> you know it was just this moment of like 
So I, I think that's probably the biggest thing I had to overcome. Once I got comfortable with it, it really wasn't an issue. Um, I'm still fighting something separate, which is not really related to it being a 2011 platform, but um, I shot production when I started, like production, SSP, and IDPA or whatever, but it was irons I started with, but I didn't learn to go fast until 2017 when I switched to CO and started running dots. And so I had never really run irons like at a match or like in earnest for real uh, since then. So, it, you know, last year was, you know, five years basically since I really picked up an iron sight gun and used it like with real intention. Um, so I'm sort of learning the whole how to shoot irons fast thing, which that's sort of I'm, I've got a kind of a double issue. Um, I guess the only other thing in this that would really be a thing would be uh, getting the safeties off. But that was, I hate to say, it, but it was solved by gear. I went to uh, like bigger thumb shield safeties that have kind of a big uh, thing on there. So when I grab it, it just naturally knocks the safeties off. Like it's not, I don't think about it. Like just forming my grip on the gun takes the safety off. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, so surprisingly enough, yes, I am the same boat as Perkis. But that's, I think, a little tuned to the slide racker, right? The slide racker can and will be your enemy until you figure out where and how much you can get away with on your thumb, right? Notice that there is no slide racker on this gun, and in fact, that channel has been filled. <laughs> yes, it has been for you. Um, but it, it's tricky enough. It's interesting enough of what you can get away with uh, with it. Like, I mean, per Perkis and I, we all probably shot this way is where we really didn't care where our thumbs were on a striker fire gun, right? Until the safety kind of came into play, did anyone really mm -hmm. care about where their thumb was? Mm -mm. No? You, you you cared where your your strong hand thumb was? Yeah. Lefty. So <laughs> I would set it on, on the, the slide stop. And I did that on purpose because that was actually a levering point. And then when I get here, like I've talked about this in a couple of videos, but I actually put my thumb here on the frame and then I roll this index knuckle underneath the trigger guard and I pinch. And that's actually part of how I stabilize the, the gun when I can, I can just basically beat the crap out of the trigger and the gun doesn't go anywhere because I'm doing this pinching motion here. Um, so yes, I actually did care about where this thumb went and where this thumb went. Both of them mattered. So, so for, for me and my, my, uh, I guess as I always, it didn't matter on a Glock. I I could always get slide bite on, on my strong hand thumb until I finally, I don't know. I was watching a video or took a, I think it was actually a class with Steve Fisher. And he was just like, why the hell, why does it matter what this thumb is doing for you? So I was like, okay. So I just put it on the other side of my knuckle. So, and I really didn't care how much it rid around because it was a Glock. It didn't matter. But when Tris transitioning to the 2011, I definitely had to care where that thumb was because I like thumbnails I think we all can agree. We all like thumbnails. How many, but how many times, um, Reds, did it take you to learn to get your thumb out of the damn one twice? I had to bust my thumb up twice, bro. I busted my thumb up <laughs> twice in the racker on that check or on this, the tax board. Yeah. I will say I got very lucky because when I shot this for the first time and learned about my thumb in the racker, it was cold. So the slide was not moving as fast as it could be. So it was very <laughs> beneficial on not destroying my thumb. Well, I mean, if your thumb was completely occluding it, it would just stop the slide. Slide from cycling would hurt you. The the danger comes when it's just the end of your thumb and the slide gets any momentum coming back. And as soon as that happens, that's when it busts up your thumbnail. Yes. There's no bueno. Yep. So, so I would say that is my biggest overcome I've had to. But, you know, even in dry fire, um, right now, 
uh, what I did the you know because we all have AMGs, correct? Oh, I yeah, don't. timers, yeah. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, you've got the global uh, one. Okay, now yeah, you... I stick with the Pocket Pro. <laughs> so I set the the AMG up to highest sensitivity, right, to kind of see where our draw speed it, you know, the draws at. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm able to go anywhere, which I didn't think I could do this very well. Very well was six sevens point seven two draw speed for anywhere in there to like mm-hmm. a no shoot target, like five to seven yards. Um, which is kind of nice when you have a basement or a space that's you know long enough to actually get real distance. Well, I wouldn't say that five to seven yards is real distance, but it's an actual full size target. So I'm not aiming at a small target, um, which is still nice as I was able to you know get the gun out there and do my thing in a reasonable amount of time. But um, I thought the safety was going to be an issue as well, but it just kind of seemed natural at, at, at a, after a while. Mm-hmm. Like after about a week, the safety became super natural, and I know. Um, surprisingly there's a, a debate enough about um ambi safeties like either people are like oh yes you must absolutely have ambies or no i don't want an ambi safety um i i guess i'll say what i say is i think you need an ambi safety you have no choice reds you need an ambi safety no one makes a pure left-handed safety no but i actually i do like i could have had this one shaved down like mm-hmm. so it was really like out of the way but honestly like even when i'm shooting weak hand with my right hand because that's my weak hand um, when I'm shooting weekend, I like having the platform to lever my hand on. It's it's nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do like having that landing that landing pad for uh, for weekend. Even if it's just to anchor the beaver tail of the gun, like mm-hmm. in the crux of my hand, is very nice. But uh, what else? Um, oh, and then I guess we even about that is like talking about the you know doing the draw. Um, I did, t- I, I did. I posted a poll the other day. I don't know if both of you saw it, but it was mm-hmm. out of your race holster. Do you scoop, snatch, or hybrid? And I was very surprised. The results was a like a sounding like I want to say seventy nine percent snatch. They snatched rod out of a mm-hmm. race holster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I saw that poll. I responded and. For me, the draws was actually one of the big technique changes that I that I struggled with because with the P10, I was very much a scoop draw, and with with um with the the Kydex holster stuff, you have several inches worth of travel before you you present, and so on the draw, I was building my grip while I was lifting the gun out of the holster, mm-hmm. and you don't have as much. <laughs> distance um to build your draw on the on the race holster and so oh race holsters are faster yada yada in my experience my draw slowed down by like half a second switching over to the race holster um if not more at least when i was first starting out and i've only just now starting to get my draw back to a a reasonable amount of time um yeah yeah now and i was surprised how nice a race holster is to be honest with you we all have the same <laughs> race holster i mean i was a little upset and i bet you were too uh Perkis, is the fact that now the everglades holster is in stock everywhere and it's, yeah, just, it's yeah. like of course after you spend so much money on a holster you're like oh look at the holster you probably really wanted <laughs> can't yeah it's like the, not... the gun that i borrowed um and and full belt setup was uh, was the uh, the Everglades and that was that was very nice and then 
And then I bought Aaron's old double alpha off of him since he has the Everglades now. And uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Henning is working on a, on a race holster and he always makes good stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. Yeah, I'm a little scared what he's going to ask for it. I mean, <laughs> his holster hanger is already 150 bucks. I mean, it's great for the innovation and like the ingenuity that he's making it, but it's like, Lord, I will just stick with my, if I need a production hanger, I'll just stick with my boss for like $40. Or that limited edition one that uh, Reds has that uh, we can't seem to get yet. Uh, it's not a limited edition, it's a prototype. <clears throat> I'm not sure why Roy has brought it to market yet. I mean, at this point, everybody kind of half knows about it. I don't think I'm really spilling the tea, but yeah, it's the it's the ball joint for the boss hanger. But that thing's amazing. So, yeah, which which is pretty dope. I, I'm not gonna lie, I would like one of those. But that that's the cool thing about race holsters; they all have ball joints. Well, for the most part, except for the Everglades. Yeah, I I don't know, man. So, like I ran, I started running a race holster last year uh, when I was shooting limited, and I was like, yeah, a race holster. <laughs> Hey man, it's one of the things I love about those double alpha things. Like I, there's, there's my Glock insert right there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was running the race holster and I was like, ah, hey, you know, I don't really, it's, it's not like suddenly so much better than my Kydex holsters, whatever. And then in the off season, I actually went and I grabbed a, a went and wanted to up my production, uh, percentage. Cause it was like, you know, I had this like stupidly low percentage cause I just stopped shooting production. And technically, because I was M class and everything else, like I was bumped to A class in production. So I'm like, I'm at least get my percentage to like an A class percentage. And so I went back and I like threw on my belt in the Kydex. And it's like, as soon as I put the gun in the Kydex, you just, just you're like, oh, oh, it's so bad. Drunk. Oh, why? Like, it was like, man, like I was like, these, this is really bad. Like, I, I didn't understand, like going from the Kydex to the race holster, you're like, yeah, it's a little nicer. It doesn't seem much better. But then you just spend all your time with the race holster. You go back to Kydex, you're like, this is horrific. Mm-hmm. And I have nice holsters. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I have a low rent holster. It's like it's nice. It works really well. It's good quality. But man, it's a Comptech, sir. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's nice a, quality. It's, it's like a twenty dollar. Wait, no, it's probably about a fifty dollar holster now, ain't it? They're sixty or seventy bucks. They're really nice though. Like they have really nice lockup. The the guns. It's it. They have, that's the thing I like about how they manufacture. Like the inside of their Kydex is smooth, and then they have a really nice molding system. And then what they do is they actually push. In the trigger guard, they push a, a, a basically a, a divot, which pinches the trigger guard. So you get this really nice, like positive click when it's in. It makes it for smooth draws. Mm-hmm. So I actually like the product. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like it's not like I had like a terrible like low rent like Uncle Mike's holster or anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was like you know, and I wasn't running a like a a Red Hill Tactical like gun bucket or anything like that. So just mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's. You've learned, though, you've had to pretty much modify all of your inserts, though, to make them work for you. Uh, I, I found out that's actually the intent. So uh, believe it or not, that's like, if you go look and you start reading the details, they always say that, you know, oh, you may have to adjust this or fit this for, for use. There's actually a thing on Double Alpha's website about them. Mm-hmm. So that was the one thing with like the Glock took a lot of modifying. Like when I first put it in, um, the trigger guard was like, you know, sitting up above it. And so I had to really like kind of file this down a lot to get it to sit flush. But, you know, once you file it and get it set, it's, it's nice. Now, of course, obviously that's been fixed now that they've got their, you know, super shim system or whatever that they're using now. So 
Yeah, the with the double alpha flex holster. Mm -hmm. Which I can see that is probably pretty cool for those custom, you know, polished or sanded um grips like the what the Tanfolio and the Oh, 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 hang on. Let me let me embarrass or piss off my friend Tony Salas. Tangfoglio. <laughs> we had this conversation the other day and I kept bashing it. It was hilarious. Yes, exactly. How hard, how hard is it to say pasta blaster? It's just not that difficult. Oh, true. Exactly. But um, well, and then you've got like what Blanton's bold ultimate racer. It, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. I don't have the big dad. Ultimate racer. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's the cool on the flex is, but I'm not gonna. I wouldn't. I don't think I'll change my holster. Well, I did discover that Infinity grips are actually very different than STI grips, so that was a yeah an interesting one because I had bought an STI insert and I was like, oh, it'll be great. I've got an STI insert, like I can just switch. And I was like, man, this thing's loose as hell. And I found out, oh, the Infinity SV grips have a different insert because they're shaped a little differently in the front. Surprising, that's what the Chili is based off too. The Chili for the uh, is the STI. Well, it's not the STI. It's the uh, SV Steel uh, insert. Yeah, but um, something I guess I want to talk about, like actually, like the forming of right. So you know, not necessarily forming your grip on the pistol, but the grip of the pistol itself. Um, mm -hmm. I do like the micro pockets, like on these kind of grips, compared to like any plastic. It just it feels like this hugs you back in the right way without really having to give the most effort. I mean, you still have to focus on gripping the gun, but it's not like it's, it's going to hold you pretty good. Do yeah. You, do you, so didn't you have to buy a dinner first though, if you're going to hold it that <laughs> just a thought. One of, one of my grips with a number of the polymer guns out there is how they have like these smooth areas and whatnot. And, and mm -hmm. then just, I don't know. It, it seems like they have too much texture in places that don't matter and then not enough texture in places that do matter. And I remember one time when I was I was training and I was building my grip and then I just, you know, didn't notice it until you notice it and then you can't not notice it. I just felt my palm just sliding in this smooth area, which is why I then went and got uh, the talon talon grips to make it hug me back um and with the uh the open gun i don't know i guess it's the it's the metal it's the texture the the texture is going up in all of the places um yeah i i i see what i know what you mean where it like it hugs you back and i felt like it helps uh really helps keep it locked into your hand um which um i did an experiment um at the encouragement of a p3 performance billy barton and he, to prove a point, he told you to shoot one-handed and loosen your hand until the point where the gun slides in your hand. And I was able to get this gun much looser than I thought I needed to, and the texture would still grip me back and not, not slide in the hand. And that was one of the things that encouraged me to loosen up my, my support hand more to get the uh, the trigger finger doing its thing, I never had a problem. Um, the grip texture on Glocks is perfection. <laughs> I, I, so Shane Cooley, Shane Coley, and Ashley Rourke, you you need a new team member. His name is Red Dot. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can outsplit Shane. So 
with a stock trigger. Ooh, we're going. This just, is just, I'll throw the gauntlet down now. Shane's a nice guy. I've met him. He's a really cool dude. But I'm pretty sure I can outsplit him with a stock trigger. All right, this will have to be recorded at uh, Ironsight Nationals. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to Ironsight Nationals. What? Why? Why do you must change your plans? Stop changing plans, sir. <laughs> I have a wife who has a hobby, which causes us to travel. So, yeah. And and I will say, like most people, are like oh, this thing's a cheese grater. Yes, this is very aggressive. But I haven't found that my hands have actually started to bleeding bleed yet. Like the calluses have grown quite nicely. Yeah, I will say this one. So this one was the little. It's the infinity like circular whatever pocket texture. This doesn't have like the spikes like the MPA does. Um, but even that always seemed a little rough. The cool thing was, um, my gunsmith he asked me if I wanted a cerakote. I'm like, yeah, let's just do a cerakote in red. And honestly, the Cerakote, just that layer, that couple of mills rounded off the edges at, 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 a, at not necessarily a microscopic level, but near that level. And so now you get a really, it does, like you grab it and it's like, yeah, your hand sinks into the gun really well, but I don't feel like it's shredding my hand. Like, so I can give it a good firm grip, you know, get on it like it matters, but it's, it's nice because it doesn't just chew up my hands when I'm shooting it. Right. It's a really nice feel. Yeah. Yes. And I can't remember if mine even sandblasted it just a slight bit just to take the highness off. But yes, the coating definitely does, like you say, it, it's nice. It, it, it saves the baby hands. <laughs> yeah, mine aren't baby hands anymore. For the years, like I used to have, you know, I'm a financial analyst, right? So I spend all my time working spreadsheets. I used to have very gentle hands. Since I've been shooting more and more, like my fingers have gotten like mm. slowly thick over time and I've got calluses everywhere now. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a whole new batch of calluses when I switched on over, and I still run into times where yeah, I, I got the tape on my fingers. Well, I'll uh, train hard for a week, and I'll have to protect some areas because it's still still developing. Mm-hmm. So, it's what happens when you're training for like two and a half hours in a day. You got to develop yourself one of these Glock knuckles, man. Oh, I I, I got that on the outside. Um, and I'm running into an issue where it's uh it's now on the inside. On the other side, <laughs> that, no, that's the, the issue. I was running. The, the Glock knuckle is always on the middle finger. Oh yeah, on your yeah, I'm getting this that the Glock knuckle type. Yeah, you know, it's a very similar shape, but it's on my support hand on the the pointer finger. Yeah, yeah. I've got that yeah. one, and that's from the pinch grip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, um, you know, I mean, every gun's probably got different cue points for you, and you know, but how? was the transition easy for you to be like, all right, you know, we've swapped between like, say you picked up your open gun or limited gun and then switched up to a Glock or a CZ. Um, how many reps or did it feel that you think you needed to like to ingrain your grip back again for that between different pistols? That's a easier one for me. I think um, I started shooting, gone back to shooting both. I shot limited entirely last year. Um, and now I'm actually shooting, I'm shooting this, and limited and i'm shooting this and co so i'm actually bouncing back and forth between the platforms um honestly i don't really notice it it there's enough like i guess there's enough you know what is it anderson called myelin development that the sensation that my hand gets when it goes to a 1911 like i present the gun the sights are there right same thing if i grab the glock it snatch it out the holster i present it the sights are there the only thing i've noticed is that um, believe it or not, this is the thing that's funny. No matter what, if I grab the Glock, draw it, reloads are fine. With this and the cavernous magwell that's on the bottom of this thing, 
if I don't get a couple of dry fire uh, uh, reload reps in it, kind of just to get my brain back in the right place, I'll have issues. Mm-hmm. For me, I have had zero issue um, with with finding the dot. Um, literally, my first draws when borrowing my buddy's uh, 2011, it was just boop. The the dot was there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, even with the P10 and the you know, the the 2011, the dot is obviously in a much higher and much lower location. And with my P10, my dot. Um, mill job is so low that the glass is literally in line with the slide and i can i can still pick this up and it's just the dots there so mm-hmm. works for me yeah um i will say i haven't i haven't touched my glock other than to move it around in the safe it seems like so <laughs> i can't speak much to it just because it's i have played with the wife's um legion she has a legion carry so it's the short dust cover short slide and that thing's quite interesting um purely on a standpoint of it's super heavy but it's super chunky but it's not grippy i I definitely say that that gun is not grippy enough like even like by glock that had tape on it was grippier than that 320 it was just and it's super blocky i don't know what it is but these just feel good glocks feel good um i will say what Glocks I feel like two by fours what are you talking about they're rounded two by fours this, or... this is the, this is the most perfect two by four you'll ever grab perfection <laughs> but yeah um yeah but I, I i guess i haven't had like i guess i've figured out cues you know for my hand of like where the thumb on the pedal needs to be um where the thumb needs to sit on the the safety um and it just kind of marries together. I think more of an issue for me currently, it's not that it's a major issue, is the reload, though. Coming back and putting the hands on the gun and minding the racker, right? Like, you've got to come in between the rep, the rest and the racker. For me, that has been an interesting... Hmm. I just, I can just, like, I put, the, I put the mag in the gun, and then it just seems like a slow wrap. You know, like, on the Glock, it really didn't matter because the thumbs were just wherever. But like on this, That's it's like, like... Perkins, did you run into that? Not, I, I ran, ran into similar, was, sounds like a similar issue, but not with with where my thumb goes. That was, mm. that was fine. Um, what I ran into is you know, the, the magwell, I got the big old, big old magwell. And it, it took me a little bit to figure out what's going on. And sometimes I would reload and the gun would just come back up and it'd be great. And sometimes that my grip would just be shit and it'd just be bad and I'd have to, to figure it out. And, and ultimately I think it was, you know, it was a conversation you and I were having that then led to some experimentation and then mm-hmm. worked in training buddies, get them just the conversations that you can have working through things um, can yeah. really change your shooting. But um, what I do is when I insert the mag, I then re um, I, I move my hand around and replicate the building of my grip from the draw. And so I put my pointer finger to the um, trigger guard and then rebuild it, which I've got, you know, who knows how many reps on that. And what was happening, what I was ultimately able to determine after I realized what was going on is when I would insert and then I just kind of like slap my hand on the side and just kind of like throw it onto the side. 
Sometimes I'd get lucky and sometimes I wouldn't. But then when I changed for the reload to build it, uh, build the grip around and get my index point from every draw that I've ever done, then I ran into, or then it just really increased the consistency and quality of my grip. So maybe, maybe give that a try. Right. And I guess I I can see what you're saying on that. Like, I guess for me, like it's, you know, we've all probably listened to Scott Jedlinski talk about like how he does the Judy chop, right. You know, with this kind of his thumbs. And that's kind of how it feels is like the wrapping around with the, like the support hand um, is maybe that's what it is for me, but it's not like I keep, it's not like I hit the wrong spot or the, the racker, like I impede on the racker. It just seems very like you do the reload and then your hands are just like in slow motion of, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's this visual thing of like, why is this taking so long when the reload is bloop, bloop, you know, like. And well, on that, I, one of the other things that I changed with my reload is instead of getting way off to the side, um, which is a rather common and traditional reload, I keep my muzzle pointed more forward. So when I insert the magazine and then present the, the muzzle just has a small amount of travel. So instead of being like way over here, and then if you're, you know, if you're moving this way, you're breaking the 180. Um, I just move it just a little bit and then the muzzle just comes back. Um, I picked up on that watching reload videos of the greats and Travis and whatnot. And I noticed that their muzzles are pointed mostly generally forward. And then the guns just, it's just boop right back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I may ask another question then, so do you see how much of the Magwell opening do you see then? Are you, that was another thing. Um, I was test, uh, I was watching Travis and I was, stu- I've been doing a lot of just studying videos, just watching them and watching them and like, wait, I noticed they did that multiple times. Let me try that. And I noticed that with Travis where he almost kind of like lifts the gun up and I'm like, I, I don't get it, but he's doing it across all of these different videos. Um, so, okay, let me try it. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is working. Um, and so for, for my reload, I kind of lift the gun up a little bit which then gives me my visual index point on the magwell. And so it's just a little lift up and then rebuild and off I go. And <laughs> Red's shaking his head over here. I told well, him about it yeah. and he tried it at the range and the mag's just like. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't even just at the range. I tried it at home. I was trying it all kinds of different things. And it, like for me, so I'm, I'm here. If I reload, I'm here. So that's, if you're looking at it, if I'm dead at you, like I don't, it's there, it, it's this um so boom into the magwell so i guess i'm seeing like a very like i'm seeing sort of the front corner like here on the magwell mm-hmm. i'm not really seeing up into the magwell the gun's not tilted that far but it's i'm more of the uh the the ben stugger class uh you know uh, teachings of just point the magwell at your belt where the mag's coming from and so that to me is kind of what does it so i'm not doing one of these i'm not doing up here or anything like that it's just it's I point it there. The the lifting up thing that he does, and I, I know what he's doing. So it's like you know here, and then it's like do this, mm-hmm. man. I I was trying that, like dude. I had magazines flying all over my living room. It was so bad. It was so bad. Uh, <laughs> it's just like nope, nope, hard pass. The interesting thing with the Magwell, the Fergus and I were talking about that is like I I got so used to shooting Glocks over the years with you know no Magwell. It's like I used to I would seat and literally this process of seating would start to form my grip. So I would seat the mag and literally just wrap my hand around it, punch out. And so I'd have this seat process and it was fine. 
The problem with Big Fat Magwell is that you do that and it's like, well, my finger's running into the magwell. I can't really do that. So I got used to what I'm doing is I'll seat and I'll literally roll my hand around and then form my grip. So it's not the same process. So it's interesting. He and I train together and do a lot of stuff, but it's, we work out different things and some stuff works for both of us. Some mm-hmm. of it, it's a little bit independent, but for me, it's, it's less of a, you know, here and then reform. It's more of a, I seat and then literally run my, I just run my hand over the, the magwell. So as soon as I see it, I keep my hand open and then run it up and punch out. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at what you were doing right there. And I think it's a combo of two things of um, your hands are larger than mine. I've also got open gun, big magazines and my, my fingers can't, aren't even reaching, um, reaching the, the magwell or, or I'm sorry, the, the trigger guard. And so when you were doing it, your, your fingers were just practically right there when you were seating. And for me, I've got, you know, almost an inch there. So different guns, different hands, all that stuff. I I get it. I get it. Magazines are bigger than mine. Size doesn't matter. It's how you load them. Big sticks matter. boys. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, I guess this is, I guess I'll interject this here. It's, It's not the fact that the World Pistol Shootout from the time we're recording is two weeks away, right? There's some people yeah. shooting it, which I think is a total miss is that their open division or unlimited is still restricted to 140 magazines. It's like, it's not open or unlimited if I can't have big sticks. I want the big sticks. So I pay $160 per magazine. <laughs> big sticks. It's also some really high round count stages. They posted the the stages. They have like no short courses. Yeah, for, for yeah. an Ipsic feel match. It does not feel ipsicky when they're all really long. It's but remember, it's only ten stages, and it's like three hundred dollars, and it's staff reset. So, and it's a cash prize table, so you don't get any cool things. It's just it's not, yeah, but you don't get any cash prizes either. That just goes to all the pro shooters. Like that's you know, I love the oh, other people are gonna pay out. Yeah, here's twenty five bucks because you're the B, guy who won the B class or whatever. Like okay, all the cash payouts are going to the pro shooters that are showing up. Yeah, like uh, Siler will win all the money. That's that's my. I'm betting that right now. This show will come out after that happens, but my my bet is on Siler. I haven't even looked at the list. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much I'm actually going to pay attention to it. I just. I mean, I hope Matt. Shoot, I hope the local people from Dallas have fun, and and Steiner. That's, that's all I care about. Yeah. But we got some Austin guys headed there too. Yeah. Oh, do you? Who, who's going from yeah. Austin? Hmm. I know. I know. Alex was is going. I can't remember if Tony was going, and I haven't heard about Emmett. Um, but yeah, some of some of the local heat. Um, we, we were talking about match set up, and we're like, oh yeah, there's a handful of people. They're not going, so we're having to scramble to to get other people. Segway. Volunteer at your local matches, please. Um, burnout uh, can definitely drive people away from volunteering to host your mat or you know set up and do all of the behind the scenes stuff at your matches and um you know that's how clubs fall apart and that's also how it's like hey all of the people are going off to the major match so there's no one here to do anything so no match because we're off at the major um so volunteer at your local clubs and rant thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> okay but I, I i can speak to this right as a match director as someone who's volunteering uh, i'm running a major uh, we actually, we had to decide to cancel. Um, we had a major, we had a match in May that we're canceling due to the fact that all of our, our ROs are the people who set up the match are going to a major. And there's a couple guys at the club who we trust, 
but it's a lot of work to put on. Like, even if we left some stages up from the sectional and let them change targets, it's still too much to put on one guy. So we're like, yeah, we're just going to cancel the match and not mm-hmm. worry about it. Because not that we don't like the guy and appreciate him. It's just like, that's a lot of work for one dude. Cause no one else mm-hmm. is going to come help him set up. Yeah. And it's always the people like, Oh, well, why can't we have any? It was like, Oh, it's just raining a little bit. Why can't we whatever? It's like, well, it's because the people who are doing this stuff aren't showing up for this reason, that reason, whatever personal life outside of the sport. So how about you set up? Okay. Bye Guinness. <laughs> yeah. But even like that aspect too, it's like, you know, they like, well, I paid my match fee. Well, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't like, like, I don't know what it is like in Austin. This, if teardown is like required to leave, well, I mean, usually because everyone likes to go get food, right? Everyone wants to go get the Dahlia's pie after a match, right? Mm-hmm. We, um, we, we don't have any like hard, hard requirements. We just guilt trip you talking about how it's a participation sport and don't be that guy who doesn't help tear down. Um, so we generally don't have any issues. And if it, somebody's yeah. like, hey, I got to leave early. Can I shoot first on the left stage and book it? You know, we're, we're accommodating and make it, make that happen. And, you know, it's, we, we've got a good club. Right. Long, well, long as you're not that guy all the time. Right. Yes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say APSC is pretty well wired for that. Um, caps is a slightly different thing. Like I, I consider caps my home club. This is also a DSA where I practice. Um, but like, you know, that's pretty much being run by two dudes. And it's it's a it's a little bit difficult because I know they're older guys. One of the guys retired. One of the other guys is a school teacher, um, and so they basically do most of the setup. The problem is that their USBSC matches on Saturday, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna set this all up on Friday." And I'm like, "I'm a working guy. Like, I gotta be at my job at Friday during mm-hmm. the middle of the day. Like, I can't go to the range and go set up stages." Yes, you can. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. I, I'll be unemployed very quickly thereafter. So. Uh, oh yeah especially you you're going through that uh and no you're not doing end of year end of year is in october for you isn't it uh yeah year ends in october we're yeah. we're we're in the middle of budget process right now uh, yeah, <laughs> no bueno. but yeah um oh we were talking about okay but yeah yes i do to say go help your local match because without your local mm-hmm. match and oh i'll save that for another day because that's always that's a rabbit hole i don't feel like getting down Thanks, everybody, for stopping in the middle of this awesome conversation with my buddy Brian and Brian because uh, we needed to talk about these awesome 2011-related conversations. But anyway, we've got to do the commercial, the best commercial, the only commercial you're going to listen to during the middle of a Manny Talk shooting podcast, and that's a very long and tedious one. But we're going to get through it real fast. Let's go. Go fast. Don't suck. The title sponsor of the podcast. Bill's at any match it can be. He's supporting a lot of matches. He makes memes, all these other awesome products like I mentioned in the beginning. Check them out. Go fast. Don't suck.net. Tell him Manny sent you. We honestly, we can't forget uh, Hunter's HD Gold. Brian works so hard in the shooting sports. He's giving back everywhere. He even, he's helping new certified ROs, clubs, reaffiliations with certs. It's awesome. It's great. See him at a match. I know you'll find him at one soon. I'm hoping. Um, check him out at huntershdgold.com. They're the only eyewear that I wear on the range because that's how it is. <clears throat> can't forget dominatedefense.com. So run over there and get yourself a Mach 1 speed belt combo. Uh, use the code MANYTALKS. 10 for 10 pens 10 percent off your order you'll thank me later they're the best belt in the business and they are sponsoring the 2023 michigan sectional uh don't forget dominant divtechshop.com or divtech from my buddy nathan dively's company making the awesome 3d printed magnets that you need on your belt they are affordable they are fantastic and i say they're nice and slick i love them 
Uh, they're on all my belts. Uh, every rig I set up is going to have a DivTech Magna on it because they're awesome, affordable, and I love them. So don't forget to use Manny Talk Shooting for 10% off your whole order there at DivTechShop.com. Um, while we're running through some coupon codes, we better talk about my good friend John Royer at Outdoor Dynamics. John is a major match director. He supports the shooting sports. He's got his own shooting team. He uh, he partnered with the podcast. He's great. He's a good dude. He uh, works hard and he provides awesome, fabulous ammunition that you need. Librarians, Andersons, missiles, probably send them in the wrong order, but it's okay. Uh, I don't care because 115, 125, well, and 147 and 125 grain nine major ammo that you want to run through your open gun. Hopefully sooner than later, I'll have some of that to test and compare against my own loads. So, Hey, um, he's always working hard and he makes awesome freaking ammunition. I'll use the code Manny M A N N Y for, I think it's 5% off your order. Don't quote me, but it's something off your order. So use the code Manny. Um, also we've got summit city bullets. Um, the last episode with Mr. Mike share uh, summit city decided they're going to make a code for the listeners. And that's going to be, um, I gotta look it up because it's not on the top of my head yet, but it's okay. So we're gonna find it as we're gonna talk about it, and it is MTS ten percent sign. So MTS ten percent, all you know, MTS ten one zero percent sign. It's gonna get you probably ten percent off your order um, from awesome, awesome Summit City Bullet coatings. Um, their own, uh, their own coatings. I don't think they're high tech anymore, but they've got. Plethora of colors. Um, good guy who runs that business, Tony. He supports a lot of guys up in my area. They come to my matches, so um, it's quite nice to see that he's giving back to my listeners with the code MTS ten percent. Um, so go check them out, SummitCityBullets.com. Uh, let's don't forget we got to run over to my buddy Tony and Jackie's podcast or in their business called Laugh and Load. Um, they have awesome merch. They hold my official Manny Talk Shooting T-shirt on their website. Um, more designs coming soon in the next couple of months. I'm assuming. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get it bigger, better, and stronger. So uh, check them out, um, laughandload.com. No discount code for them yet. But we'll figure it out for you guys. But anyway, check them out. They're awesome. Go check out their podcast, Pew Time. It's freaking awesome, and I enjoy listening to it as myself. Uh, we can't forget running over to Target USA manufactures the finest steel targetry on the planet because they do. I love it. Their their target stands are fantastic. The ones that can also be for Rhino knockdowns are great too. Uh, the Rhino knockdowns are fabulous for personal training by yourself. You don't have to set it to fall down. You can just set it to hit against the two by four. And if you shoot up, you don't have to, you're not breaking anything. You're just shooting up a two by four if you're missing. So, but don't miss because, you know, you want to hear that pew ding. <laughs> so go check out targetsusa.com. Tell them Manny sent you, please. Move on with your day. Jason Wood is a great guy. He supports the shooting sports. Can't forget um my buddy, Eric Steiner, Johnny Giordano, Range Panda, RPG2, freaking fabulous guys. They're getting out there making awesome products. They're getting out supporting the shooting sports. They want to give back. So they're awesome. Um, they're part of the podcast. They, they even sponsored my match um, here that's coming up uh, this week. By the time you listen to this, the match is going to be that next weekend. So, hey, go check them out. Um, Range Panda, go tell them Manny sent you in the comments of your order. And go buy something because they work hard and they deserve some support. We can't forget uh, Tim Heron Shooting, um, guy who got me on the shooting sports. Tim Heron Shooting is fantastic. He, he's a great supporter. He's a great friend. Um, he wants to make everything better. Um, yeah, so check him out. Go find him on his schedule before his classes fill up. They're probably already full. But if you want to get him in your area, you better get a hold of him now so you can start figuring out when you can have a class there. But anyway, the last guy I need to talk about, Chile Custom Gunworks, ccgunworks.com. Uh, E2 grips, L2 grips. You want to build your next open or limited gun, you need to use Chili Custom Gunworks parts because they're fantabulous and the finest, to be honest with you. A lot of builders already use them, so you know why they're using them because they're the best parts they can get a hold of. So check them out, Chili Custom Gunworks. Um, 
freaking awesome. CCGunworks.com. They are also the title sponsor of the Michigan sectional. I can't thank them enough for the support they give to our sport and us locally. So there's the commercial, guys. It's long. It's windy. I ramble maybe just a little bit too much, but it's okay. We're going to get back to this awesome conversation with Brian and Brian about our transitions into 2011s. But um, <laughs> I, I did have this talking point is, like, I know, Reds, you've had to change your support gear due to what you shoot now. It's not like you can just have one thing fits all other than your holster. Because mm-hmm. you went down the rabbit hole of magazine, right? The magazine issues. That that was that was frustrating, if I'm honest. So I have and I like uh the double alpha. I have got the those the uh what are they? XI? Yeah, the XIs, the metal pouches. And I've had those for my Glocks for I guess about two years now. I really like them. They're solid. Um, they work really well. I was breaking racers left and right. Just they'd snap them. I just, I, I, my, that first hand runs that mag pouch. I, I whack, beat it up. So those metal ones were great. I was really happy with them. I'm like, oh, cool. I can just throw the inserts in it and I can run the, the 2011 mags. Well, that's true if I want to run SV mags or if I want to run STI mags. Apparently, the um, MBX mags, when they get hot and they're loaded full, stretch just a little bit one way or the other and they're loose and i discovered that actually that was during a rain session you and i had at temple um was they just sit in there like even though you have the right shims and everything in there they don't they're not actually being retained so i was like well how do i solve this because it's good for one but if i shim it or try to build it up then i end up uh keeping the other mag from fitting in it like it's either it was too tight for one or too loose for the other kind of thing and so the only solution that I had was a very expensive one, which means I now have three Henning magnetic mag pouches for 2011s on that. Yeah, it hurt, bro. It hurt. Like for all, all my I, audio <laughs> listeners, I am, I am raking, I am flinging the money. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's making it rain right now. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it hurt, man. It hurt a lot. I was just like, ah, but it does solve the problem now. I can run whatever you know magazine, and I can just go there. I will say. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do the third mag pouch. I'd have done the front two. And I'd have just had one in the back, which was tighter. Um, but the after getting used to them, they're not bad. Um, I mean, it, I know there's a lot of people talk the advantage of the fact you get your hand all over the front of the magazine and all that. It's true, but also like I'm so used to like running my hand hard into a mag pouch that part of the problem was I used to the fact if I do that, I'm literally knocking the magazine off. Like it's not because if you run your hand hard into like a regular magazine pouch, you still have to draw the magazine out. Um, in this case, if you run it back hard enough, you literally just knock the magazine off the pouch. So there was a little bit of adjustment there in order to make that work. So, yeah. And I guess I can say that to this is I, the one thing I don't like about the Hennings, not that they're not made well and engineered well. I don't like the fact that on your first pouch, traditionally you lose that extra mag like say like an unloaded start, right? Like everyone's going to put it on their front magnet. That's some, like for mine, it's on my X size. It's on the outside of the pouch. So I, I can essentially have two mags there. Mm-hmm. And I, I that's the one downside, I guess, with the Hennings is like, okay, you start unloaded, but you kind of lose that mag. But I guess it really doesn't matter. Kind of an open due to the fact that you load the big stick on a 26 round stage, you're going to be fine. Well, and I run the, uh, I've got a DivTech magnet right there in front of that mag pouch. So I've still got, I can just snap a pickup mag onto it in a hurry. I will say as much as I wanted it to be, because the fronts of, front of them are open, you can't really fast grab and, and stash um, uh, 
a mag onto the Hennings, the, the walls on it, which are good for stability, do prevent you from just being able to like grab a mag and smack it on there if you're doing like a table pickup where you have to grab two mags, that kind of thing. Okay. So I still have like a regular, just regular circular magnet that I can just snatch a mag off the table and smack it to the magnet and load the gun. Mm -hmm. you purpose, did I you? didn't have to change. Yeah, I didn't have to change hardly anything. Um, I uh, I just changed out the inserts um, on my double alpha um, XI mags, um, which I've got two of them, and I've got the the magnet in the front like you, and then I've just got my my oh shit mag and my you know start mag in the in the back, and then I swatched out, swapped out to the the double alpha. I did add the um, the leg brace thing uh, thigh pad to it. Um, which is nice and minimal and it just kind of it helped keep the gun angle more vertical and more consistent um and other than that it was i didn't really have to change um anything um so yeah it's been it's, it's been nice and easy and i didn't didn't run into some of the the issues that, that reds did well it's and you're, you're also running i know who has go ahead Reds. go ahead i was say you're the only guy i know who's running an open belt that has a blowout bag in the back <laughs> yeah i've been running this for for a while i've got the yeah i got just a little tourniquet and the little you know little yeah, bag. it's a it's it's a little blowout bag yeah it's just mm -hmm. most open guys like it's full race and it's like you see this guy run around with the blowout bag in the back plus the race gun on the side it's like man i'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> thing i'm happy it's there just so so it's the inevitable chance of when he shoot not not saying it would, but if he ever shot himself in the foot, he could just throw the tourniquet on the leg, right? And just like, oh, I got this, I got, I got yeah. it. But it's because he's running the best belt in the business. He's running a dominate defense. That's why it's so great. I've been very happy with that belt. I will say the links is pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, red red runs that, and I. I was borrowing errands and I was trying it out and didn't have a completely perfect experience because it was a little, a little loose. And so it was, I don't know. Ultimately I was just like, eh, I'm not going to spend the money on, I'll stick with what I got. And it's not like I'm switching between carry optics and open very often. Mm -hmm. Well, ever at the moment. <laughs> well, the cool part is you unbolt a holster, you unscrew two screws on the back of the holster and pull the holster off and slap the other one on. Right, yeah, that also would be nice and that's, nice and easy. That's too much work. <laughs> I, I just get another belt. <laughs> I did uh, get the um, the G GX holsters lever thing for my CO setup. Mm -hmm. um, it arrived after I'd already switched to open. I waited eight months for this thing. People are waiting longer, so <laughs> it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah. But and honestly, it's like it's well. I did the well. Reds taught me this trick of even with the Glock mags, put the twenty eleven insert around in the wrap around part of the XI yeah. mags, and it's a rattle can. But like the back part's the part that's important on that, you know. So you just... mine don't rattle around. They just they're not like super super snug, right? But the yeah. snap the snatch out of them is super clean. Like you just like, mm -hmm. right out of there, and they don't bounce out. Yeah, that was the thing because like I was running the the Glock sized ones and it's like they worked, but it's just if you got any bit of grime or grit on the magazine, it was like, Argh! okay, now it's out. That's why you dunk it yeah. in the puddle of water on the bay and just wipe it off with like your pant leg and be like, I got this. It's a Glock. 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 Perfection. Yeah. yeah. Now, 
I, I guess we haven't really talked. I mean, Perkis pr- led into this earlier about maintenance, right? And his struggles mm-hmm. of his maintenance on his, not, not saying you struggle on it, but learning the intervals of maintenance. He oh. struggled. <laughs> he struggled. I watched it firsthand. It was oh, last weekend. Goodness. But it's the great part on the last two stages hearing, what, what did you say, sir? Ah, <laughs> mm. oh, it, uh, it just, it, yeah, it, my gun ran and I was, I was very excited. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, tight tolerances mm, and it, when it's oiled and it feels all buttery and it's all great and everything. And then after you shoot stuff and then it's not as oiled and buttery, um, gun butter, by the way, is, is great. Highly recommend. Um, so yeah, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to have to clean the gun after every live fire session as opposed to after every handful of live fire sessions. Okay, I need to clean my mags more often. I clean my mags after every match anyways. It's still different. It's it's still another level of cleaning. There's more steps in just every part of it. And my my journey has, you know, it's like, okay, I'm learning the gun. Okay, I got the gun handling that. Well, I'm also figuring out the load. You know, I got my brand new press that I'm just now figuring out and ha- having to constantly text my amazing buddies, um, just be like, wait, why is what's with this? And get group group of friends, y'all, y'all are awesome. Um, and then I got it all figured out and it was working, and then suddenly it stopped working. I was at a training session with uh, Red and Cameron and. It's like, oh well, no, okay, no, no. It's it's, it's because I was using my old ammo that was a, a rejected batch of ammo. So it's like, okay, it's malfunctions just because it's not my my good tuned mat yeah, ammo. So go to the match and uh, yeah, <laughs> ma- malfunctions. Yeah, malfunctions you had a bolt, every bolt stage. Bolt action open is what you had. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, what is this bad as Koi's recent videos? Uh, yeah, no, it actually, it was damn that. near. I mean, it was. Uh, it wasn't like, that bad. <laughs> it was. It wasn't that it wasn't cycling, but like it was. You you were you were somewhere yeah. between two two to five per stage. I don't like, think I you had were... five, it, but I, I didn't have as many issues as he did. My issues were multi step fixes, though. Um, yeah. And him, he just racked it and kept on going. Yeah, for me, I I had to work at it, double feeds and clearing all that stuff. I did have two stages that my my gun ran that match, um, and then one where I only had one malfunction. I hundoed all three of those stages. Um, but then it was th- so then um, talking with people, Roy teaching me like, hey, here's how you do this stuff. Which I met him at, or I got got him afterwards. Like, hey, hey, I think there's something wrong with the extractor. What's going on? And he just like practically like looked at my gun and it fell apart he's just so many hours on these things where he just grabbed his yeah. and, it, and it was there in pieces like oh look you have an aftac extractor oh that's news to me um and so it was it was dirty as all get out like you just look at it and there's grime everywhere and everything so i mean i take it home get a q-tip which it took me an hour to get that apart <clears throat> and yeah, plus uh, a phone call with me <laughs> yeah, uh, but I finally got it apart and like, okay, let me run a Q-tip through it and I'm like pushing and getting and like trying to get it through and then I get it through and then the next Q-tip just kind of goes bloop <laughs> with ease. It was so dirty. Um, turns out that was only part of the problem because then at the next match, all of the shoes were back and that was 
very demoralizing. You know, I got my first majors coming up and it's like, I thought I had all of this maintenance stuff figured out and the routines and, but apparently not. Um, another buddy of mine, um, gave me two of his extractors and so i popped them in and then the gun ran and um i was very very happy with with the shooting after that and so the gun gun worked very well and uh red um pointed out where his his theory was the springs were worn but they were slightly dirty so there was enough pressure in the channel for them to work and then they got too dirty so then the, the extractor wasn't working because there was it wasn't enough and then when i cleaned it then it got too loose and so just went to the opposite end of of the issue um, but everything run ran great so you know my my open gun i uh, got a top end from paul rafferty and it's been awesome and when i keep it cleaned and maintained and whatnot the the thing runs fantastic now that i got a ammo recipe figured out and all of that um so yeah the, the it's it's very much a has been a learning platform like i mentioned all the new things like couldn't hardly go a more polar opposite um platform unless i was coming from revolver um and <laughs> yeah yeah definitely was very demoralizing at that match um and then when the gun ran yeah it was very very exciting and then i go and shoot shoot the final stage and it just it's just going and i get done i'm like man that was just so slow and everybody's like no that was fast yeah yeah, yeah. you burn that stage down well see interesting for me i was smart so this upper end like i had the grip changed out but i bought this this is like an early 2000s build sti edge and the guy who had it before me shot it plenty and there's not a lot of wiggle there's a little bit in the slide to, to frame fit but the barrel lockup is perfect. There's no play in the chamber. The sights are set just right. It's like it's on ball bearings, man. And when my uh, gunsmith, the guy I had to do the grip to do all the fitting and everything, he's like, "Hey, do you want me to recoat that? Because it's like it doesn't. It's it's ugly. Like I mean, if you really look at it, it's it's really bad. Like this thing is, you know." you know, janky all over, but I'm like, no, don't touch it. Like, Did don't, you? don't, don't, don't change any of the fitting. And I don't want to like everything in the upper end runs, leave it the hell alone. And I was like, yeah. So I, I already had sort of a broken in gun. So it's, it's been running fine. I haven't had to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. But didn't you also phrase it as my clapped out limited gun? I don't think I called it that. I'm not a clap that guy, but it, I called it, I call this one like the Harlequin gun. Cause it's like, there's like, polished steel then chrome and then cerakote and then unfinished steel then blued steel that's worn and then some random stuff like it's like this thing is just it's it's ugly but it's beautiful because it's ugly i don't know like there's just something about this that i absolutely love this gun like it's fantastic mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me like i haven't had any issues with this gun other than that it hasn't been induced by super cold weather um with too much i'd call it grease but it wasn't grease from the builder and then yeah then it did have a little over it was a little over i did have some issues with the extractor when i first got it It just had too much extractor tension on it so it was just causing some issues fresh aftec springs like i only have i only have i think the back spring in mine i'd have to take it apart but i really don't want to take it apart because then i have to put <laughs> it back together but um yeah I was like that for a while, not wanting to take it fully apart. And anytime I was messing with this, that, or the other, or changing something out, I was only took it down to the minimal amount of, of a part. And eventually, I've, I haven't 
now at this point taken absolutely everything apart and i would yeah procrastinated that one for a while right but i definitely agree um gun butter is delicious on here i do want to try that stuff uh called blue lube the blue gun lube you guys seen him on the instagrams Mm-mm. so uh i guess tanfo timmy is shooting his lube um but it, it reduces dot splatter for your optics guns and it doesn't seep as bad it seems like as some other lubes i'm not saying the gun butter seeps out the gun really bad but uh say this is way better because i've <coughs> but uh for the longest time i've been using either uh lucas oil or um i've been using like one of the other was i have a bottle of uh uh, Kuda lube for the two other oils that I normally use, which have been just fine for like Glocks and pretty much like the CZs love the Kuda lube. The Lucas oil stuff's been pretty good, um, but it doesn't stay like, especially in Texas heat, you shoot a whole day match, like that stuff kind of just crawls everywhere. And so you really do need to re-oil. The thing that amazed me with the, the gun butter, and no, I'm not paid, no, I'm not sponsored, but if you want to sponsor me, let me know, um, <laughs> was the fact that I could, ran through a couple long sessions with this 2011 in Texas heat. And when I got done, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I was amazed. I mean, there was gunk and buildup and stuff, but it, you're again, you ran that slide in the frame and it's just like, it just felt like it was on ball bearings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do like it. It stays where it's supposed to be for the most part. Um, it definitely stays like on the hood and on the barrel really nice. Uh, and it's pink cause it, 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 it's fancy. I don't know. I sure. mean, at least Actually, the, nice, also... the color is nice, I think, because then you can kind of still see it. Yeah. Have you used this stuff? Trigger butter. No, it sounds like the devil, but it's what is uh, it? Well, but it's it's gun butter. It's one of their products. So it's like this like thicker grease. Um, and this, especially if you're running 2011s, if you do this and put it on the, the locking lugs, and then if you get your gun down to it, you put it on the back of the trigger where the sear engages it, just a little light coating of it. Um, it really does make a big difference. This stuff's actually pretty impressive. Mm. I haven't heard I've heard of it but I've never seen it used so I might have to look that up yeah you can blame uh, Blanton for that one he was the one that I first saw it at his place and I was like oh how good is this stuff and he looted up his guy he's like here he handed it to me and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> well gonna have to buy that okay yeah Reds how many cups of coffee are you at right now well these are 16 ounces so if we assume Eight ounces, which is pretty normal for most folks. This would be somewhere between seven and eight cups. Oh, you, you've got a couple more to go still. You can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, lubing, I think lubing the gun super important. I mean, I have seen it where like you, like the gun is better off dripping wet because then at least you know it's going to run. Like the seems like the drier the open or limited gun, the less likely it is to stay running all day. Yep. Well, it was opposed to this, which I just lube it with the tears of my enemies. <laughs> Wait, um, what are you talking about? You can run that dry. It'll run. <laughs> run it through the desert first. Just dip it in the sand. I need lubricant. Give me dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, I mean, we've all shot carry optics. Can we? So, Perkis, you'll probably have to answer this question, but how much faster... Or sooner do you need to be in open compared to see, uh, to carry optics? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it 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 is definitely faster. Um, the the this, yeah, it it really you got to push speed um a lot in order to keep up in open. 
you know, I've, I've seen people be like, oh, you got cheater guns and, you know, I'll, you know, show up with an iron sight gun and we'll, blah, 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 you know, all that posturing online. It's like, okay, well, first off, you take the open gun, I'll take your iron sight gun and I'll still beat you. Um, the other thing is everyone else is running with the same setup. And so the margins are so much slimmer and the um, throttle control has a much broader range. Um, for example, if we're, if I'm going to shoot a, um, you know, like a, a 20 yard mini popper, if I'm shooting with a CO gun and an open gun, it's going to be the same. You, you got to get the, you know, steady enough to get that shot and then, and then off you go. But the engagement of a, three yard open target is going to be a lot faster and a lot more aggressive with an open gun than it is with the CO gun. So you have to push speed while also being able to throttle down to um, extreme control based on the difficulty of the target. And that range, that window uh, is much broader in open. And so that pushes the vision speed. You have to be able to process and understand, see all of these things going and it, it, yeah, it's just, it's so much, um, yeah, it, it really is faster, but it's, it's not that different. I've had conversations with people where it's like going from open to, or CO to open, it's the same. It's just a little bit more because you still got the dot. You still got all of those things, but the dot is flatter. The speed is faster. Um, follow-ups, all of those things, you have to just push just a little bit more. The the thing that the two things I think in open that really that throttle control really falls into is that it's those intermediate targets, right? So it's either mm -hmm. partials at like set seven to like fifteen yards or the fifteen yard open targets and kind of beyond where you have major power factor, right? If you're shooting open, if you're shooting open minor, why are you shooting open? Um, but if you have major power factors, so you you can you can eat a few more C's. Not a lot, but you can eat a few more C's at speed. And the fact that you can choose to have that more speed, that's a huge difference. Because, um, you know, if you're shooting CO, like, you've got to be grabbing alphas, man. And it's, you know, again, you can get Charlies, but if you look, I think we've, uh, I'm, I'm the nerd on that stuff. But, it, you know, Nils, I think, smoked everybody at like five to one alpha to Charlie ratio at the last Nationals. But even in CO, like four and a half to five to one is kind of where it's at where if you look at open, like four to one is where it's at, like the alpha to Charlie ratio. Um, okay. Limited is lower. It's closer to three to one and limited. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things like where you look at how you, how you shoot speed and control for the hits that you're going to mm -hmm. get. So you can choose in those intermediate targets to shoot a little bit faster. And because of the comp and because of the mass of the gun, you can really see that as that choice happens at those intermediate mm -hmm. ones you get just enough movement in this that it's like i'm not real sure about taking another shot for that extra alpha that i need whereas you're like i'm probably going to get two alphas i might get a charlie it's fine that out gone mm -hmm. and it's it's not you're not really actively thinking that in the process but it's there so that's really one of the huge advantages with open that's really where you start to see times open up is when you have targets like that. You're talking about like the you know the mini popper. You said 20 yards. Like you know, think bigger. Manny knows 35 yard mini popper. So that's just a normal <laughs> match for him. Oh yeah. Um, uh, thanks guys at Brooklyn. Um, but uh, it's uh, one of those things. Like yeah, sure. You and I could draw and and shoot a mini popper 35 yards. Probably be about the same. But if you and I had had to draw and shoot a USPSA target at 35 yards, you'd be done faster than me because it would take me that much longer to settle out for my second shot to take mm -hmm. another good shot at that target where you could shoot it much faster. 
I very much noticed that um, we've got the commanders at our local clubs. And um, so I analyze the splits and I look at all the different stuff and switching to open my, my split times have absolutely come down um, particularly on those, those intermediate targets and those, those partials It allows me to just push a little bit harder and a little bit faster and be fine with it. And with the recall and everything, it's, it, I'm going faster, but it feels slower. There's been multiple times where it's just like, oh, gosh, that, 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 that felt slow. Like, oh, that was a build drill. Like, gosh, that was so slow. It's like, no, 14, 15, 15. Oh, God, it, it felt slow. And then that is even more exaggerated on those, those intermediate partial targets where the dot is there and you're confirming it and you're getting that second shot. And the dot is just moving so much less than with CO. And, and yeah, you, you don't have to be as precise if the dot is there on the center, of, you know, center ish of, instead of center of Brown center ish of Brown, good enough, <laughs> send it and off you go. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun. <laughs> right. Well, and even like this, right. So most striker fired security optics guns are on a hinge, right? We, we like, I don't think there's any gun in the carry optics space that isn't a hinged form of a trigger, right? With the 2011, you know, we've got that straight pushback design. And it seems like if you miss it, di it's, it seems like the trigger is more for it. Well, I can say it. the trigger is more forgiving than like on a striker fired gun. It, you know, and it seems like if you miss those far targets um, or, you know, you're missing those targets and you have these mystery mics or it's like a, a far off shot. It's, it's, it's probably more your grip than it is your trigger control. It seems at that point. I can attest to that actually from the limited side. So like I said, I shot, I was an idiot and they shot limited with a Glock 22 all last year. Right. And the thing with that, that was interesting to me was that when I picked up the 2011 and just messed with it briefly, the thing that I found was that it wasn't that like, Oh, I can shoot the 2011 better than I can shoot the Glock. What I found was that it made it easier. The, the, the trigger, the weight in the gun, uh, these sorts of things, you know, it, it really, if you're getting down to brass tacks, it's covering your sins, right? That's really what it's doing. Like it's, yeah, my trigger pull wasn't perfect or whatever, but it's harder to have a perfect trigger pull on that than it is on this. And so it's easier to do what needed to be done. So I can, I can say for sure that it, it's it really, when you cut down to it, it's easier to shoot. It's not that the Glock was necessarily holding me back, back, but it would take more effort for me to accomplish the same thing that I could do at my current skill level, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So versus it being, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm being mildly arrogant, but I'll put that out there that I got to a skill level where it's not as much as that it's covering up my really bad fundamentals. It's that my, I have pretty solid fundamentals and they're solid enough that I can exploit the advantage that it give, gives me. It's it's a slightly different place that we're coming from here. It's not that I'm using a good trigger to cover up the fact that I don't know how to grip a gun. I do. It's just now because I don't have to worry about focusing on having this absolutely perfect trigger pull, I can go just a little bit faster and still get good hits. Mm -hmm. And I what I really noticed is the grip, the weight difference between, you know, the, the super light glocks or the cz p10s to like a 2011 it's like this thing is a three ounce this is a three pound gun holding in my hand you know the first day was like oh my god this thing's so heavy now it just is it's got a heft but it's not like oh my lord i need to go do curls to feel like i can hold this gun up but it's definitely 
I like the weight. I will say I like I sling. I like slinging around the heavier gun. I don't notice as soon as the buster goes off. I don't know the difference. Honestly, like I can't tell. Like somebody's like, "Oh, it's a heavier gun." It's this. It's that. The other. Like, yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Like I can feel the difference. But as soon as that buzzer goes off and I'm running the stage, I don't know. There's a gun on my hand. I'm looking for sights and pulling the trigger. Like, that's all that matters. Everything else is sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I can see that. And yeah, I guess more than what how the gun feels is probably how the ammo and the gun react to each other, right? Like spring weights and springs and and powder charges and bullet profiles. And it seems like uh reds is very lucky because he just hands he just gets it taken care of by his ammo uh, ammo loader and he doesn't have to worry about it other than testing it your chrono well i gotta make sure the load runs and it works we did develop a load it's just i'm not the guy doing the actual loading and you know mm-hmm. i i got a guy for that although it sounds like i might not have a guy for that coming up soon so that's oh, no. kind of scary oh no so. that's no bueno but I know Perkis, you had to jump straight into the deep end. Like you'd never reloaded oh, before, gosh. and yeah. then you're loading major. <laughs> so I was borrowing Aaron's gun, trying it out, and you know, like, okay, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna get open. So I got my spreadsheets of compares, comparing this and price sheet that, and <laughs> part swap this, and links to YouTube videos, like super deep rabbit hole on all the 2011 options and all, you know, all the check make customizations and all, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, and then Aaron messages me and says, Hey, Paul's selling a, a used open gun. Check it out. And it was a really good price and it was 38 super comp. And <laughs> so there's like, okay, quickly 38 super comp. What's the, you know, quick research of that. And then it was a, you know, almost a borderline impulse purchase it, it was impulse <laughs> on the timing not impulse on the decision because i was had been you know i was knew i was going down this route and the deal was was really good on the price where it was cheaper than a lot of the other options that i was looking into and it was 38 super comp and it was from a really well known uh high reputation uh gun builder and um and so then it was like okay i just bought a 38 super comp gun I uh, I guess I'm reloading, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I had to go out and dump and all the money into getting a reloading press. Um, I'm very blessed to have a good group of friends who guy came over and helped me set it up and helped me walk through all of that. And I had other friends who had been shooting 38 Super Comp. I was able to get data from them, compare it to other data from from stuff that I found online, and narrow it down to a range. Made my batch, went out, tested all the stuff, and had a series of comedy of errors during my initial chrono testing where I forgot my chrono and then um, I brought my chrono, but the batteries were dead. So that whole process took longer than, than it should have. So, but yes, I've, I've had to go from uh, no conceptually how reloading works to, I need to know intimately how it works so I can optimize my load down to the, you know, thousands of an inch on the overall length and, messing around with all of the different levers that you can pull on what works and what won't work for, for reloading. Plus there's the maintaining, there's the inventory management, there's the, how do you reload faster um, on top of all of the learning how to clean and maintain and 
gunsmith my own gun oh <laughs> it's been a lot man <laughs> well and and i think it's powder management on spillage <laughs> yeah there is there is that too yeah and this is why i have a guy for that <laughs> yeah and i'm honestly surprised you didn't just go out and say i'm gonna buy ely ammo and make sure my gun runs ely 100 percent well I had um, a box of Ely, another friend, um, when I got my gun, I didn't have like anything for it. I, and I actually got it early um, before CO Nationals. It's like, okay, ooh, ah, pretty. Shove it in the safe and like, <laughs> don't think about it until after Nationals. Mm -hmm. um, or at least I try my best. Um, but then finally after Nationals, I had, um, I had uh, gotten a box of 50 rounds of Ely and um, you know, maybe it was, I was still figuring out grip and all of that, but, um, it, it just felt over, um, it, it had just too much umph and the, and it did not feel like an open gun flat. Um, and I've been able to get a little bit better with, with my setup and who knows, maybe, maybe it was user error, not, not ammo error, I had a sample size of 50 rounds. And it was my first 50 rounds ever through this particular gun. Um, so, um, and then, you know, I didn't mess with any springs or anything, but thing about, um, 38 super comp is brass, um, is expensive. Um, but you can make it cheaper than running nine major if you reuse your brass, um, four times. So I'm <laughs> picking up my brass and doing the whole chicken peck thing. And yeah, I was going to say range chickens uh, to the rescue here. Uh -huh. Gosh, we just have such an awesome club though because i'll be you know looking at stuff and be like oh here you go we have yeah. such an awesome club bro bro we understand what are you talking we about understand. i'm the guy at my club picking up the 38 super comp brass so i can clean it and resell it what are you talking about <laughs> that's 10 cents right there bro that's like a deposit up here for soda <laughs> now if you get the 38 super comp redemption value on the side of the <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> yeah but yeah it's you know there's a lot of hidden things about reloading in there and and recoil too like it seems like you know nine major or 38 super comp you know it, it hits differently in the hands i think we talked in the pre-show about it but it, it hits differently than like a 40 cal um mm -hmm. and especially different I, I feel that it's it's different in a way than nine minor but it's more fun because it makes loud barky noises. Mm -hmm. That was actually a whole thing I had to overcome in of itself. Um, I you know, flinching came back in. Of course, I'm running 38 super comp with four popple holes and a six chamber or uh, six six holes in my my compensator. So I have a very loud um, open gun, but I had to uh volume of fire uh get past that um because i i was absolutely uh flinching due to the concussion um at this at the start and then of course because i knew i it, i got i got in my own head and made it worse because it was a problem and then i was afraid of it being a problem so it became more of a problem um and eventually after i think it was like my second match i at I remember having a light bulb moment where it's like I was in the zone shooting the stuff, shooting the stage. And I was like, I wasn't worried at all about concussion. I was just shooting the stage. And then after that, my next live fire session is like, I shot this fine at a match. I'm good to go. And just poof, I was good. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I definitely think the concussion is it's it's great how open guns protect their users, right? Like it just the big old poof of concussion goes around you and you don't feel any of it. It's like, yay, mm-hmm. it sucks to be the RO for the most part. Um, I don't know if uh, if you've had to deal with this um Perkis, but I never had to worry about double plugging at all. Like I've had good plugs or plugs that at least have protected mm-hmm. me enough to not bother me for it being loud. I will say there's only one gun. It's the only one particular gun when I hear it at the range shooting on my same squad. Is it like <laughs> you say that like really chatters your teeth? Not a lot of open guns do that. Only one gun. It happens to be my area director's gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I enjoy shooting with Rick, and, but his gun definitely rolls the teeth a little bit. I'm trying to think because I don't even purchase, I don't think your gun does it. I'm trying to remember who it was I shot with. Somebody's got an open gun. That if I'm like if they're shooting on the bay and I'm not like a good like ten or fifteen feet away from them, like I can feel it clearing my sinuses from the overpressure <laughs> waves, like the, it's just that is what like you know, like I'm like, well I can breathe better now I can't hear but I can breathe amazingly so yeah it's yeah it's definitely some some loud open guns out there um I do double plug um I've got some uh in ear um it's the the decibels and so it molds to the ear and feels um nice and comfortable so i don't really have any issues um, but i also don't need to set it to maximum penetration of the ear and get it all super sealed and everything because then i do the have the over ear um the peltor sport with it the 500s with the gel cup so yeah. i've got the the um the electronic over ear with the under ear um, the, the in-ear underneath that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, for a while, Reds and I were using the same ear pro, the the EEP 100. Well, you had the, the you had the fancy ones. You had the bougie black ones, and I had the, the cheap green ones. And those things die, like, I am so pissed at those at the moment for probably, for the same but yet different reason. Like, they don't, it's not that they don't hold a charge, it's that the, the electronics are taking a shit now. Where, like... Oh. Like you, my you, mine just got to the point they wouldn't hold a charge anymore. See, mine will hold a charge, but it's probably getting to that point where they're not holding a charge or starting on that. But it's just like it clips out the talking, and it's like, like we're far enough away from the shooting. Like I shouldn't have to be clipped. Like I should be able to talk mm-hmm. to somebody, or you'd have them all the way up, and you still wouldn't be able to hear anything from people. And it was just like, just turn them off and wear them for now mm-hmm. until I can get. I want to get some custom molded ones. Just that's me. I just want to get some custom molded ones. I much prefer in ear pro than the the muffs, just because mm-hmm. I mean wearing eye pro it, 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 that does bother me with the muffs for some reason. I don't know what it is. Do you have gel cups? I do have gel cups, but it's I I don't know hmm. if it's the pressure or like I don't my my lens my frames or something just kind of don't mesh with. Maybe it's it's a emotional some weird response to I don't want to have muffs in glass. You know I don't want to have muffs. It's probably just what it is. It's some. Mm-hmm some weird thing i was like no in ears but uh god you can go down a rabbit hole on ear protection like yeah i think i think the dallas crew is all now switched to swordens and i'm like woof i do not want to pay for swordens <laughs> yeah i've heard durability issues with those maybe those older versions but uh, one of the other nice things about having the in-ear over ear um is you know i can i can remove the over ear and let my my ears you know cool off from the texas summer um and so i can 
have a little, you know, the benefits of both where I get the better protection with the over ear you know, while I'm at the bay doing all of the stuff with the shooter. And then if I step away to the, you know, top off ammo, then I can just pop it off and still be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess I'll, I'll, I have, I want to, I have my one more topic and then I'll push it to you guys um, to have your final closing words or whatever topics you thing you want to hit. But I will say that these guns, they're not necessarily cheap. And I, I, I do find that they're they are gorgeously uh, attractive still. Um, if anyone is thinking about getting an open or a limited gun, I'd say do it now. For, uh, just do it. Um, I mean, be physically responsible. Don't uh, put yourself in massive amounts of debt. But I still say you should do it if uh, an opportunity comes up. But they're a labor of love and they're beautiful. And this one is mine. There are many like it, but this one is mine and you cannot have it. <laughs> Uh, Reds will go to you first. What you got? I don't know. Uh, I like shooting. So there's <laughs> that. Um, no, I'm 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 glad I, I ended up going this route. I mean, I'm I'm shooting a dying division for sure. I mean, iron sight limited gun and major. Like, there's just not many people that are shooting this anymore, and that's okay. Um, it's I'm not shooting because oh, that's where all the heat is. I'm shooting it because I want to enjoy this division before my eyes get to the point where I can't. <laughs> um so right now i can so i'll enjoy it um you know limited optics looks like it might become a thing if that's the case well you know maybe i need to get me a 2011 with a dot mounted on the slide then i don't have to worry about comps and all the other goofy stuff that goes along with open guns and you know maybe i'll go play in limited optics but um other than that i will uh stick to my plastic fantastic glonk <laughs> So they work for me. I work with them. So, but that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cool journey. I'm, I'm glad I found something other than a Glock that I can actually shoot successfully. So that's, if anybody knows me, you know that I've had the worst luck with everything that isn't a Glock. So. So the point where people would have the gun, like you sell it afterwards or they would shoot it, you know, while, you know, just borrow it at the range and whatnot. And it would work great for them, but then he would pick it up and just, <laughs> this is accurate i can see that yeah. percus what you got <sighs> it is uh it is absolutely a commitment it is a financial commitment and it is a time commitment you have to be serious about the sport to go the the 2011 route um yeah, there's a lot of these staccato owners coming out and all these people are just getting the gun and getting the 2011 and run, running with it um, as, as this gun platform kind of reemerges from the ashes of the 1911. Um, it honestly scares me a little bit, the prospect of all these people running around carrying around, around 2011s and the low level of skill that they will often have. Um, I have seen many, many a shooter go, huh? Why isn't it? Why isn't it? going? Oh, safety. Here we go. And then off they go to town. And and then the maintenance, you know, with Plastic Fantastics, you, you, you know, just rub some dirt in there and off you go. Um, and the 2011s, they need a lot more maintenance. And yes, you still need to maintain it, even if you don't shoot it and you just um, stick it in your carry holster. There's there there is a lot of paperweights stuck around in waistbands running around. Um, 
it, so it, it is a commitment um, that if you're if you're going to go this route, but if you're willing to put in the effort, oh my goodness, it is fun when this gun sings, it just goes and while we're we're talking about thousandths of a second and tenths of a second difference between a you know my 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 carry optics gun you know the things that you can do it's shaving off just a few tenths of a second here and there um that time adds up it forces you to think faster and see faster and go faster and it pushes your skill skill ceiling higher and higher um and and the gun when it's when it's working the gun is doing part of your job for you so you don't have to think about a lot of those things that you have to think about because the gun just puts the dot back on target the gun just it just appears and it frees me up to focus on all of the everything else um so it is it is a lot of fun and and because it is the same but different from a training standpoint it has been forcing me to rethink things why am i doing this it, this way been doing a lot a lot of video watching of my own shooting and comparing it to other people's shooting and watching as many grandmaster open shooters as i can and just like why is that different why is that different um and it has metaphorically and literally opened my eyes to see more things and force me to adapt and change and tweak. And I'm fighting over minutia at a level that I hadn't ever fought over before um, in, in carry optics. And it is so much fun. And I just can't wait to see how much further I can go here and open this year. Um, and and onwards and upwards from there but it's it's fun mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun yes they all the shooting is fun especially when you can do it at a high rate of speed with a, a a ton of accuracy with one of the uh best platforms to do it in uh it makes it super fun um but um mm -hmm. shoot now oh now i guess i lost my train of thought but i have it back but uh reds where can they find if they want to if they want to talk to you on the internet where, where do they need to talk to you on the internet at bro uh, like I mentioned at the opening, uh, you can find me at Reds dot um, for Instagram and YouTube. Uh, I'm Reds dot shooting on Reddit. Uh, I had to dump my profile. That, uh, that's a whole story related to the whole being banned from IDPA thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm around. Uh, I would say uh, Instagram is probably a pretty easy way to send me a message. Uh, I will say be a little bit patient. I'm a bit of an old fuddy-duddy with that stuff. So if uh, I don't necessarily see it like right away, I may catch it a day later, but I will always try to respond to anybody. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is for sure. Unless you have like the bat line. Bloop, 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 the bat phone. Yeah. You're not all lucky. But uh Perkis, where can they find you on the internet, brother? Um, well, um, for my shooting stuff, I go under the handle Locked Back. So I do uh, some stuff on Facebook, um, 
but I've been posting a lot on Instagram lately, a lot doing a lot of training optimization and shooting technique and a lot of that stuff. Um, and I've been enjoying that. So check that out, Locked Back on Instagram. And then like I mentioned at the beginning, I've got LockedBack.com as well, where I am publishing um, all sorts of uh, content on how to train more better um, and got videos and articles and I've got a drill library with um, all sorts of tips and tricks. So it's not just, Hey, here's the set this up target and run. I've got paragraphs worth of content of here's how you can pay attention to what you're doing and do it better and try these things and do that. And it's all filterable by um, skill type. So if you want to work on transitions and transitions and shooting on the move, select the filters off you go. Um, and I'm only going to, I've got, I've got a lot of fun ideas, uh, to go from there. Um, and, uh, training programs are coming, um, in the very near future and, um, a bunch of other things that will, the, the purpose is to help people just train more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so that's about it. Um, a lot of people get caught up on the, uh, technique and then they just go up and they do, you know, 50 dry fire draws to a single shot in a row or do one reload, one drills, and then wonder why they're not getting any better. So I've got lots of content on here's how you can train with greater efficiency so you get more skill progression out of less uh, hours put in. So you're saying so, uh, I, can't, I, I can't do one reload one and be a GM? <laughs> oh my gosh one reloads one the internet just is so full of it and the rifle to pistol transitions oh my goodness draw one shot you know rifle runs dry switch to the pistol draw shoot one shot top off the pistol switch to the right oh my goodness and i'm like hey why don't you do target transitions like huh what yeah um Target transitions and shooting on the move. Work on those things. Stop the one reload once. There you go. I knew I, I knew <laughs> saying that would get you going, but that's that's freaking. <laughs> but um, but yeah, guys, uh, check them out. Reds dot uh, and locked back. Um, all the places they said to go to lockedback.com. I'm actually looking at it right now. But uh, check it out, guys. Um, thank you guys for listening to this awesome episode, guys. Thanks for coming on. This has been a hoot. Um, and until next time, guys, get out and do things, and I will see you on the next one.